Are you seeking to broaden your horizons, to stay relevant, and become future fit? Do you want to fuel your creativity and inspire innovation? Or are you seeking to put the kapow back in your business? Then look no further. Join Carmen Murray, entrepreneur, innovator, and tech fundy with her big personality and presentation style as she interviews celebrities, alchemists, newsmakers, and business experts to discover the stories behind their success. The Carmen Murray Show has been designed to open your mind and turn intelligence into magic. Let knowledge be your superpower. Hey, everybody, put on your space suits, huddle up, get yourself a cup of coffee and bring your seat closer to the table. As we are commemorating Women's Month and paying a tribute to all women on the show, we are going to dedicate this month to fearless women in South Africa and bringing you four exceptional masterclasses by fearless women to inspire you with their message of hope. Now, Brian um, Cox quotes, (laughs) sorry, there are billions of places out there that we know nothing about. The fact that we know nothing about them excites me, and I want to go out and find out about them. And that's what science is. Ladies and gentlemen, I hereby announce our guest today, Dr. Adriana Marie. <laughs> Hello. Such a pleasure to be here, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Oh, oh my God, I'm so excited. One of South Africans um, who will pack her bags and take a one-way ticket to Mars to establish a human colony. How exciting. That's the plan. That's the 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 dream. (laughs) (laughs) I love your dream. You dream big, literally. Um, Well, Adriana, um, welcome um, for joining us today. Um, As I mentioned to you, I'm a big fan. And there are so many questions. I actually tweeted, or not tweeted, I put it on LinkedIn specifically, and I I, I said that you're going to be on the show. And I think literally within an hour, I had like six or 8,000 impressions. And then it was like 12,000. And then people started emailing me with questions. I had over 100 questions to ask you, but I had to obviously condense the show. (laughs) Um, So so for you guys out there, sorry if I couldn't include um, all of the questions, but um, do listen up. Um, Okay, so I'm going to jump into this. Uh, discussion and you take us wherever you want get in your spaceship and take us into your mind and the light that you're leading be the pilot <laughs> okay so let's have a genesis moment in the beginning okay the mars one project um tell us about the application process how you got shortlisted and what's the status if you may tell us so um, forgive me then if I if I go back to the actual beginning. So the Big Bang. No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh my God, we're going to all day. <laughs> not that far back. But I suppose the, the idea of going to another planet for me started at like age four. Um, I can't uh, remember exactly how old I was, but I was on one of those plastic scooters. And suddenly I paused as we were racing down the driveway and thought, hmm, if I heard on the radio that um, they were looking for volunteers to get inside a, a metal rocket, it was like a tubular shaped thing with portals for windows on the side, to sit in that seat and take notes and uh, with a pencil and, <laughs> and go out into space um, and just document what was there, uh, would I do it? And somehow I agreed in my mind that that would be something I would do and then I carried on going down the driveway. I remember that quite clearly. <laughs> So extremely odd that then um, some years later, <clears throat> so this was in 2013 when I heard this, 
Uh, so at age 30 approximately, that uh, there's a call for volunteers for a one-way trip, not into space, somewhere specific in fact, and that's the planet Mars. Wow. So this was quite a, a strange moment for me when I had, you know, remembered having had that experience as a child. Um, so perhaps this has been part of what I've, you know, been meant to do uh, the whole time. So anyway, now I'm part of the 100 um, finalists with the Mars One Project. So one, there are 100 of us from all over the world. This has been narrowed down from around 200,000 that wow. applied back in 2012 and 2013. We've gone through online exams, interviews, a medical checkup with our local doctor uh, and several you know, rounds to get to the point where we are now. The fun should start soon when we actually all gather in one location because everything's been online so far. Um, we have a Facebook group and we you know, keep in touch on, on social media. Uh, if we have the chance to meet in person, some of us have. And yeah, I look forward to gathering physically with these other 99 <gasps> and doing the challenges that would get us through to the next round where at first 40 and then 24 will be selected. And then those 24 will begin the training. <gasps> so you're going to train as an astronaut or, or are they Plus much more, you? plus much more. So, I mean, astronauts now would spend sort of six months or as much as a year like Scott Kelly and Mikhail Koryenko in the space station. So we'll essentially do that. Um, it won't be the space station. It'll be a, a moving uh, craft that will be taking us to Mars. But the zero gravity confined environment would be, you know, uh, some are comparable to the time spent in the space station. But then we'll land on Mars and begin the next few decades of our lives um, living on a new planet. So, Oh, my gosh. So the training that we need is like everything. Um, you know, you need to be able to do everything that you need to do to survive on another planet. So uh, quite an immense amount of training, yes. I think we need to start a social campaign that we can get you to the 24, okay? You must just tell me what we need I'm to not, do. I'm not too worried about that, no. no you're not too worried? <laughs> no. Yay! I'm so excited. I just want to be at these events. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. Very interesting. Okay. So why is this project so important? Well, I mean, this is the most exciting uh, project, adventure, idea, in my opinion, since the start of planet Earth 4.5 billion years ago. So for 4.5 billion years, we've been, you know, swimming, crawling, doing our thing on the surface of planet Earth. And when I say we, I mean all life, because we're all related. Uh, genetics has shown us that we have DNA, and moreover, we share large portions of this genetics in common with bacteria, plants, elephants, all living creatures on Earth are related. So we're one big, beautiful system. And uh, it's taken 4 billion years of evolution to get to this point in time, um, you know, this precise moment, like this year, what are we, 2018? <laughs> uh, and look around us at this kind of incredible era that we're living in. And one of the incredible things happening is that we are seeing increased momentum to send the first mission, crewed mission, to planet Mars. And I believe this is going to happen in our lifetime. And there are many reasons why this is a necessary step for us mm. uh, to begin to become adept at surviving on other areas other than home planet Earth. Mm. And, and something I really enjoyed, um, I was watching one of your talks and you were talking about some of the things that you will learn on Mars because of your restrictions like recycling, 3D printing, solar heating and using all of these things, which is also going to be very empowering for us here on Earth. Definitely. So, I mean, my mission now is, is, yes, partly to try and get myself to the planet Mars, <laughs> but it's a far greater mission than that. Um, the kind of thinking that we need to solve the challenges on Earth is probably not going to emerge from living on Earth. Hmm. Um, this is sort of might remind you of a quote by Einstein. You know, you can't can't solve a problem by using the same way of thinking that you created the problem with. Hmm. 
And that's exactly what exploration has done for us in the past and will continue to do. It gets us out of our comfort zone. It gets us thinking about things in different ways. And when we reflect then on previous challenges that have been difficult to solve, we come with fresh, with fresh ideas. Um, so like, for example, during the Apollo era, kids and students were listening on the radio, watching on TV to the first people walking on the moon. They were hugely inspired and the number of students enrolling in science, technology, engineering and mathematics degrees during that era spiked. It has not been uh, like never before and it's, wow. it's still unprecedented. That number of students percentage to the population register, uh, enrolling in STEM degrees. So that's great. But what did these students do? Well, they went on and there's research that shows to invent or contribute to the commercialization of at least the internet, the mobile phone, the personal computer, technologies that weren't directly related to getting to the moon, but that were, you know, that people came up with after having been inspired by seeing the impossible, seemingly impossible, being achieved. Mm. So if we get to Mars, I mean, I can give you concrete examples of how we would be solar powered and this kind of research would be beneficial to Earth, how we would be extracting salts and brine out of our ice crystals that we wow. extract from the surface. And of, you know, I don't need to tell Capetonians that desalination is <laughs> the future. <laughs> uh, we'll be creating our air in a much in a, as efficient way as possible from the water. Oxygen will come from the H2O. We'll yeah, be growing our food in like highly um, dense areas, greenhouses where we pack things as closely as possible and use as, as little water as possible and so on. So we'll be living in a very resource efficient way and People might think this is, oh, this is nice to think in this direction for Earth. It's not nice. It's absolutely essential that we become more resource efficient on Earth. It's possible that we've already passed the ecological tipping point in mm. terms of the destruction that we have done to this planet. And while some people will argue that the average human's life is getting better, I completely disagree mm. because we are not looking at the health of our home planet Earth yeah. when we make these kind of assumptions. So we are in a kind of desperate situation here, not without hope, far from it. <laughs> But uh, perhaps getting to Mars is really the, the trigger that we need to start thinking differently. Yeah, totally. And I mean, you also mentioned in one of your talks about resource management. And I think that's exactly, I mean, it's, I, I don't know if it, it's, as I'm getting older, it's really starting to bother me how we just don't, nothing is sacred. We just take it and use it and throw it in a dustbin. No thought goes into anything. And it's concerning because we, we're just growing this planet. I mean, there's like. A lot of people that's going to be on this planet in the next 10 or 15 years, not even to to um, to mention 100 years. So I, th I totally agree with you. And it's very interesting to see where this is going. So a question to you is, there are a few skeptics and believe that the Mars One project is a scam. What would you say to them? Well, it's it's possible that reality is a scam. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning here. <laughs> a genesis moment has arrived. <laughs> reality is indistinguishable from a simulation. I mean, this has been known philosophically for, for decades. So, okay, you know, let's assume that the reality we're living in is somehow an objective reality and that what we're experiencing is true. Then I can quote back numerous examples in history of things that have seemed impossible and now seem quite trivial, like sailing around the planet Earth, which was previously thought to be flat. <laughs> I'm sure there were a bunch of people out there saying getting around the planet Earth on a boat is a, is a hoax, it's a scam, no one's ever going to be able to do it. So <laughs> things are moving quickly now. So I encourage, I, I always mention, I encourage people who say things are technologically impossible to be careful about what they say, <laughs> because it's quite possible that... Uh, 
you will be proved wrong in your own lifetime. Uh, maybe in the past you were lucky enough to uh, die before the progression that you had said would not happen happened. <laughs> Hope <laughs> Nowadays, not to be quoted. <laughs> there's no guarantee. And uh, I believe we're going to see people walking on the surface of Mars in the next 10 to 20 years. I think it's the most exciting moment for humanity. And I hope that uh, all of us can get together for once, unified as, yeah. as a, a Homo sapiens sapiens species. In fact, all living creatures on this planet will be part of the celebration of Earth life having relocated partially <laughs> to a completely new world. Yes, uh, I, think, I think it's only exciting. I don't, I don't see the reason to say it's a scam. Watch the space, the short answer. Okay, I love that. Mind the pun. Um, the exploration um, of a one-way ticket to Mars, is there a fear of the un- unknown? No, so I think I've been uh, quoted to said um, the allure of the unknown is far more powerful than, than any comfort of any known. To me, at least. I mean, I find known comfort rather boring in the mm. long run <laughs> mm. um i'm always looking for the next adventure the next challenge and this this really because it's um it's not just my adventure but an adventure in which all humans um in present and future will will share in mm. um really makes me excited that this is this is something that we're doing with good intentions out of curiosity driven exploration for the sake of expanding human knowledge um, yes. And I think uh, if, if we can get that right, I think it really marks a turning point for, for our species um, in terms of celebrating uh, what we uh, have as humanity, which in my opinion is really the capability to ask questions, um, that desire to explore. That's what defines us. And I think this project is really an embodiment of everything that we should be proud of as, as humans. I love I love how everything is connected. I mean, Stephen Johnson talks about um, chance favors the connected mind. It's like you know, you you really need to see that everything about us is so connected with one one another. And like, um, I had Mandy Weiner on here um, a week before, and we were talking about um, you know also question everything. I think it's important that we we start questioning things. Where do we come from? Why are we here? How does it all come together? Because without questioning it, you'll never, it's like you say, you know, you, you only have one piece of the data, one dot, so you don't know where it's going and where it's ending. Yeah, and I mean, that's the point about technology. I think, unfortunately, having the sum of human knowledge in our pockets, uh, by that I mean your smartphone, <laughs> that this piece of technology actually makes people less curious. I, c- I can't fathom it. I mean, I'm, I'm Googling things all day long. I love the internet. I'm, I'm proud to say I would be devastated <laughs> if there was no more internet. Um, so I think we need to embrace this technology, not by using it to make our lives more convenient, but using it, using it as yeah. a tool to understand the world that we find ourselves in in more detail using it as a tool to connect. As you've said, the connected mind is now also connected through technology. And I think we need to look at the pros of this technology, the benefits, mm. and really carefully uh, allocate time that we spend using these technologies um, with good intentions for, for good outcomes um, and not just to kill time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and yeah, totally agree with you. We're going to go for a quick ad break and then we're going to continue this very exciting, exciting masterclass. Thank you. Harnessing the power of talk radio. Brandlive.co.za Have you ever thought about the power of social media? Social media has the power to make your business grow. Grow! Why don't you let us manage your social media? Because our business is to see your business grow. Visit us at www.beastownmedia.co.za 
Harnessing the power of talk radio. Brandlive.co.za Hey everybody, we are sitting here with a legendary Dr. Adriana Marie, but I would like to call her Adriana. (laughs) (laughs) And we are having a discussion about um, her adventure going to Mars and the whole process behind it, but also tapping into questioning everything and and our environment and what it's all about and and learning so, so much and how this project um, is really going to empower Earth and us to to really do proper resource management in the future. Um, A question that I have for you is... um, Part of your job is asking big questions. What big question are you currently working on, trying to answer? Well, <clears throat> I think the most difficult question of all is, is what is life? Um, and it's possible that because we are alive, or at least we appear to be, <laughs> depending on whether or not <laughs> in the simulation, um, might make it difficult for us to ever truly objectively understand the phenomenon because we are intrinsically part of it. Mm. So understanding reality that we find ourselves in is one thing, but trying to understand ourselves is possibly even more difficult than trying to understand the reality that we find ourselves in. So that hasn't stopped us trying, of course, and I think the discovery of DNA and finding that we're all one linked family here, sharing significant portions of our DNA in common with all life here, this has been an exciting step in terms of understanding life. But it looks as though as you mentioned earlier, we need another data point because trying to understand where life came from when you're only looking at a single example of that Mm. phenomenon is uh, impossible. Um, You know, trying to draw a line with only one point. (laughs) Exactly. Many different ways (laughs) you can do that. So we need to find another data point. So um, a lot of the budgets and, you know, funding and that that's put towards exploring the solar system is in fact done with the aim of investigating whether or not there was or is or maybe life that emerges there. Mm. So um, I think, uh, and uh, Dr. Ellen Storfun, who was the chief scientist of NASA when I met her a few years ago, had said she believes we'll find evidence of life in the next 10 years somewhere in the solar system. So to say that with confidence in her position, I wonder if she doesn't have more info than us. Um, it e- sounds way, like it. Exciting decades coming up. We may establish and detect Um, evidence of life or or establish life and detect evidence thereof uh, on either a moon or a planet in our solar system in in the coming decades. And and do you believe that there might be aliens and those kind of things? Do you believe that that's a possibility? Yeah, certainly. So I love to entertain as many possibilities in my mind as possible, as many as can fit. You should entertain them all until you find uh, significant evidence um, Mm. for or against them. And then you decide which ones you keep and which ones you throw away. That's kind of how science works. And that's how humans work. So I like to entertain as many possibilities as possible. And um, definitely there being life out there is one of them. Sure. Um, It's just too big a space and uh, too Mm. arrogant a notion to think that we would have been the only example of this particular thing happening. And I think those who don't believe in aliens may be proved wrong. <laughs> they might be. They might be. Like some of these conspiracy theories might be true. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, with all jokes aside, I mean, if if you look at micro beings being found on on you know other planets, it must say something because that's part of our evolution. So. They must be. They must be. Um, as you say, like it's, it's not just one planet. There's millions of planets. We don't even know how many planets there there is. I mean, we don't know how. From a scientific perspective, we don't know how life emerged. So it's an extremely we don't extremely arrogant to then say it couldn't have emerged. This <laughs> <laughs> has magically appeared here. Like I'm just saying. I mean, but this is the thing: is think about it. Like many speculations happen. Many religions started um, to give humans the explanation why we are here and how we got here. 
If you look at the history books, most wars stop, starts because of religion. You think if you move to Mars, there might be a start of a new religion and how you got there? Yeah, so part of the appeal of, of starting a settlement on, a, on another planet is the clean slate that you get. So perhaps in the past, moving to a different island or you know crossing a valley or moving to a different mountain or going to a different continent was akin to some kind of fresh start. Nowadays, that's impossible, of course, because um, if you just Google Earth someplace, you can see, oh, people live there. <laughs> Unless it's a place you really don't want to live, there's mostly people living there. So there is no chance of a fresh slate on Earth ideologically or physically because we're all one big web of, of life right now on this planet. So getting to Mars would be a unique opportunity to rethink how we operate in a society, mm. um, what kind of habits and cultures and traditions we have, what um, ethics we keep and what you know ideas we, we get rid of. And I think um, that would be an extremely important aspect of this mission would be the opportunity to rethink how we would build a society from scratch if we could do it mm. over. Mm. Uh, and maybe the biggest contrast between Earth and Mars is that Earth life emerged in competition with other life, mm. um, you know, mm. the the competition that results in the selection of the fittest and so on. That's kind of how we understand, you know, survival of the fittest <laughs> seems to be a, a good theory of what happens here on Earth. Whereas on Mars, we will be surviving only through collaboration. Um, oh, I love that. Because we will be bringing what we need. You know, it's quite—it's a harsh landscape to survive on, uh, easier than some other planets, but um, harsh compared to Earth. So it's only in a spirit of collaboration mm. and sharing that we would be able to survive. And that means collaboration with the plants in the greenhouse, collaboration with the bacteria, collaboration and really thinking about um, the, you know, the, the survival of the group depends on each and every member, whether they're human or plant. Um, and I think this kind of collaborative spirit will define the ethics of Mars and hopefully take us to a place where we are not senselessly killing but rather respecting life um, mm. as we should. And that unity, that's so important, something we really battle on this planet to get right. And, and you know what? The, the cool thing, all I just have to say is like you have to put it somewhere in a book how the 3D printer got there because that's going to boggle people in a thousand <laughs> years from now. How did the 3D printer come, come here? The, the, the truth is revealed. I'm just hashtag just one saying. The, it was one in the space station, so we've seen on that far. <laughs> oh, okay, so another question for you. Do you believe in astrology? Uh, I don't know. That the, you, it's easy to refute that sort of scientifically or physically that there would be any influence of objects that are so far away uh, that would have a comparable effect to, to things that are very close by. So this is just about the range of gravitational or electromagnetic forces. Um, so let's say I entertain it as a potential possibility. <laughs> you think we're all you... connected. <laughs> I want to throw your words back at you. <laughs> okay. Now, I want to ask you a, a question about um, the radio telescope. So you mentioned that um, Africa having the largest radio telescope. What does this mean and why is this significant? So the Square Kilometre Array Radio Telescope is the biggest international science collaboration underway currently um, with 11, I think it is, international partners and a, a handful of African state partners. South Africa is hosting a huge portion of it in the Northern Cape. Um, Australia and also New Zealand are hosting um, part of it. And then single dishes also spread throughout Africa. So, so Africa is really the large player here. And this is a massive opportunity, not only in terms of the astronomy that will be done, not, not astrology, astro <laughs> astronomy that will be done, um, 
but also in terms of the infrastructure and the skills, and most importantly, the, the sort of human resource development that will be necessary to, to run and maintain these facilities, to distribute the data, to analyze the data. All of these um, technical engineering capabilities will be required, both of South Africans and, of course, all over the world, because mm. this thing is going to generate so much data, 160 terabytes a second, that uh, distribution is the only, the only way that we can even envisage, you know, storing and, and beginning to think about how we would analyze this data. So interestingly, the internet was actually envisaged by researchers at CERN, who, which was the, oh, wow. the previously previous largest data generator and biggest international science collaboration. So we can see now how exploration, whether it's uh, at a particle collider or at a radio telescope or indeed on the surface of Mars or on the moon, as I mentioned earlier, that this kind of exploration drives innovation in all sorts of mm. arenas that we wouldn't have imagined. So I think this is exciting for Africa to potentially not only maybe discover evidence of life with this increased um, resolution, maybe um, this is what we've, Meerkat's already discovered and detected new galaxies, but also wow. in terms of the yeah. data acquisition, analytics, distribution. Um, these are challenges that, you know, will trickle, if we solve them, will trickle down into all aspects of society. So I think it, it starts with science usually pushing the boundaries of what's possible and uh, turns beneficial for society society have harnessed in the right way the inventions and thinking that comes out of it love it uh the other thing i wanted to to ask you is so with so much technology available to us and i mean we, we really like reaching that tipping point um the impossible seems possible so why does a quantum computer not exist well some people think it thinks it does um i tend i'm not sure so various private companies are claiming to have sort of 50, I think it's maybe 70 qubits operating. But um, the level with which these are quantum computing coherently, and let's not get too technical here, the, lev the level to which they are able to error correct, which mm. is the biggest challenge um, or biggest hurdle currently to scaling the quantum computer into something that would be large enough to surpass our capabilities in, in classical computing. Um, the scaling is the issue and the error correction is the issue. So... Um, what would we use a quantum computer for is maybe a, a better question because I think the average person mm. on the street may have heard of the quantum computer but uh, wouldn't uh, really imagine what they would be able to use it for. So more importantly than building it right now is probably uh, starting to develop the software. So in fact, before the classical computer, the regular computers that we use now were sort of scaled and commercialized, there were teams of people thinking about how software would work on these machines, these theoretical machines at the time. So I think we need more effort in terms of developing algorithms and, and capabilities for the quantum computer as well as in parallel trying to, to get our minds around how we would develop the hardware. But um, coming from quantum biology, uh, we may learn lessons from nature in terms of how to uh, get rid of the noise which is what the, generates the error that we need to correct for um, to get the calculations working wow. properly. So plants, for example, photosynthetic algae, bacteria, all of these organisms yeah. um, are able to perform quantum coherence, uh, excitation, energy transfer, and charge transfer. Anyway, they're able to do things in a quantum coherent way, which we haven't really understood how quite yet. They do it at room temperature. They do it in extremely noisy conditions. They don't need vacuum or cryogenic temperatures to get this, this stuff working, which is the current environmental conditions required, we oh. think, to get a quantum computer to work. So noise-assisted um, computational or transfer and these kind of um, processes may be the way forward. Um, learning from nature how to harness noise rather than eradicate it. I find it to get so technical briefly. <laughs> no, but I love it. I mean, like, 
to think that leaves and and things like that have it right, and we're still trying to figure. Well, we've only been around two hundred thousand years. These uh, guys have been around for four billion years. So I suppose. I suppose. No surprise that they've got it down to a fine art. So interesting. <laughs> I find this. I mean, like, my mind wants to explode. But anyway, uh, okay. So, what's the latest uh, discovery on Mars? Yeah, so much stuff. I mean, thinking back to this year, so we've seen the Falcon Heavy launched by SpaceX in the first attempt successfully. The Falcon Heavy, as you can hear by the name, is capable of lifting up like up to 60 tons of, <laughs> of stuff, which we're going to need if we're going to send crew to Mars. So that was an exciting moment. Moreover, Elon Musk also launched his car into space, which is just <laughs> uh, for, the, for the fun of it, I suppose. And the boosters were relanded, So we're looking at reducing costs of launch and launching more and more cargo off the surface of Earth to a place like Mars, which is what SpaceX is endeavoring to do. We've seen the Curiosity rover detecting organic molecules and periodic methane emissions, which doesn't um, tell us uh, that there is for sure life on Mars, but it does give us interesting um, places to start looking for where stuff, such life may have lived or may continue to live. Um, there is a mission on the way to Mars now called InSight, which is going to go deeper than any other mission um, to several meters to investigate the geothermal activity to see whether there's still some residual heat in there. Where there's wow. heat, there may be life because negative 50 or negative 60, yes. which is the average on Mars, is a bit chilly for most of us, <laughs> including bacteria and things like that, <laughs> including life in general. So uh, some residual core heat um, and some indication thereof may give us uh, some more clues about where we might uh, look for fossils or for life itself. Very exciting. Um, so, okay, so wasn't there a discovery the other day about water under the planet? How could I forget? <laughs> Sorry, most of them, yeah. <laughs> like, like this lake of some lake, sort? Yes, so this was detected by an orbital mission, so just traveling around Mars and taking data by a bouncing radar off the, off the surface and detected some very um, reflective parts, which they had previously averaged over, but then went back and revisited the data. See how important data analytics is that you might see? be staring you in the face, but the analytics are really the key. So then they didn't average over these bright reflective parts and noticed that some Similarly to Antarctica, where big heavy sheets of ice can actually compress water underneath and result in it being in a liquid form, um, even though it's too cold, we would think, for liquid water to exist, um, can happen. And, and also salt can help to reduce the melting point. So, yes, there's a lake underneath the ice surface sheets on Mars. No not, skinny dipping no, happening. No, <laughs> no skinny saying. dipping. No, no piping that water into the Mars bar or anything like that. Because that's going to be protected to look for potential life. Um, in those lakes underground in Antarctica, yeah. we did find evidence of ancient microbes. So it's possible we may do the same. Like ice ages. Oh, my gosh. It's very exciting. Okay. I was told we have to finish the interview. I could sit here all day long, unfortunately. <laughs> so we're going to do a little tradition. How it works. 60 seconds, 10 questions. You have to answer it as quickly as possible. And your time yeah. starts now. <laughs> what will you stock the Mars bar with? Uh, vodka made from potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> will you have a Martian currency? And what, what will you call it? No, no money on Mars. Ah, what mythical creature do you wish actually existed? Ooh, I think they probably, they do exist. We're going to go look. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were given a PhD degree but had no more knowledge of the subject of the degree besides that you have now, what degree, degree would you want to be given to you? 
Well, I love the research, so I wouldn't want a degree. I'd, I'd enjoy that. <laughs> but uh, economics, I think our, our economic model is in uh, dire need of a workover. <laughs> okay. What's, some, um, what's something people don't worry about but really should? Uh, the, the health of planet Earth. I think people do worry about it, but certainly not enough. What creative name will you give the free Wi-Fi on Mars? It will definitely be free. <laughs> yes. I'll have to give that. <laughs> okay. It will be free because there's no money. So. <laughs> like, oh, it will definitely be free. I mean, hello. Jeez, like, I want to go live there, but yeah, I won't be able to buy myself a pair of shoes, which I love, by the way. Anyway, so you, you managed... 3D print <laughs> On the 3D printer. Of course. I keep on going to the wrong route. Oh, my gosh. I need to think more creatively. Okay, so you got six out of ten. I'm going to ask the last for just yeah, okay. just so we can have an understanding <laughs> of who you really are um what cl- what clue would you get would you leave behind for scientists to discover 1000 years later wow might need to do a phd on that <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one but i think yeah always remain curious i think that's our our best and our and our only tool really to investigate the world around us because i was thinking of the caveman drawings like uh-huh. that was a nice one, but the, there's no caves, so I don't know. If you leave a hard drive or something, you're not sure what kind of systems they would have to read it. So I would. So you see, think, always be curious. <laughs> would be my message. What is the most interesting conversation you've ever had with someone important? Well, I had the privilege of meeting Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, who is mm. a well-known Indian Indian guru, and he said. So someone so introduced funny. me and said, um, this, this woman wants to go to Mars or she is going to Mars. And he said, ah, I've heard men are from Mars. And I said, that's why I'm going. <laughs> and it sounded like an incredibly superficial, superficial conversation. But in retrospect, maybe there have been living things on Mars before. And maybe that's why we are revisiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he is so cool. I love him. Oh, he's, he comes up with very good things to think about. Um, Okay, uh, what's some insider knowledge that, um, sorry, what's some insider knowledge that only people in the line of your work have? Is there anything? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the assumption that that not only um, all of physics problems, but also all problems, including personal and political, (laughs) can be solved during a coffee break. (laughs) True story. Last question before we sign out. What scientific discovery would change the course of humanity overnight if it was discovered? Hmm, great questions. Um, I think understanding life, understanding who we are, where we come from and where we're going um, and how we fit into this this piece of reality that we find ourselves in. That's a broad question and one that we've been grappling with since we could grapple. <laughs> <laughs> Not over a cup of coffee. But, uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll be um, graced with enlightenment with some details on, on, you know, our place in this reality. Maybe getting to Mars will be will be the start of uh, appreciating the wider scale in which we are existing in this little piece of the universe that we find ourselves in. Wow. I, Adriana, just thank you so much for being such a great sport and thank you so much for coming. Um, thank you for sharing your fearless story with us. And you have made my light year. Um, <laughs> and I hope to speak to you often and to stay up to date and watch your space and see what you're up to. Um, thank you very much. And uh, we're signing out. <laughs> Thanks, Colin. It's been <laughs> such a pleasure. Cheers.
Subscribe to the Carmen Murray Show podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Castbox, or Stitcher, and never miss an episode. Rate us so you can help other people find it. We would also like to thank Solid Gold Studios for managing all of the podcast portals and for Creative Chalk for the creative artwork. Join us next week as we continue this journey to get you future fit. <laughs>